Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by Florida Surf Film Festival. My name is Kevin Miller, and John Brooks and I talked to Keith Malloy today. He is joining us from somewhere outside of Santa Barbara, California, and working on some new film projects I'm sure you'll be interested to hear about. His background with our festival goes back to 2017. He joined us with uh, Viewer's Choice Award, Fish People. Um, he also had shared with us The Midnight Hour starring Jack Johnson and Ryan Bingham back on March 7th, uh, right before everything fell apart uh, from a COVID standpoint. But uh, it was really great to catch up with Keith, um, obviously hardworking and uh, talented filmmaker who we look forward to showing much more of his work here for you and uh, the fans of the festival. So uh, take this minute to sit back and enjoy our chat with Keith. Someone must have set him up. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us about, um, you know, some of your better filmmaking stories, some of your best. And I know John and I were happy to have you out for the festival with Fish People. Dude, we had the weirdest surreal screening last March 7th. Um, it was like, that. yeah, a kind of a little impending doom over the whole thing as people were going up to the bar and, you know, trading drinks and just watching all of it go down and kind of knowing the shit was about to hit the fan. Your, your work is on the screen. Everybody's over the moon. It was the highlight of the night. Um, you know, seeing Jack surf, even three or four waves in this, in the movie was great, but just to take in the music with a crowd. I mean, it was kind of a, an immaculate night weather-wise. Everything was perfect. I would have, I, I had so much fun when I came out um, to hang with you guys for fish people at, at your festival. Um, I mean, haven't had a better time at any festival. That's for damn sure. And um, I would have loved to have been there in March. Um, we're super proud of, of uh, the midnight hour with Ryan Bingham and Jack Johnson and Margot Price and Terry Allen. Um, that's definitely for me, one of my, um, I feel like a neat accomplishment. Um, and so I, I, I wish I was there. So stoked you guys showed the film and um, look forward to coming out the next time I have an opportunity. It was a nice step away from a strict surf movie profile. And I was like into every, every, the second time I watch it, I'm watching Jack go at it from different, you know, and then Ryan, 
by the way, he was great on uh, the TV show. Yellowstone. Yeah, Yellowstone. Yellowstone, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought everybody, um, I just wanted to give you that feedback before we move on, is to let you know that that March 7th was a real hit, like kind of, I'll, I'll never forget it. And, and even though you couldn't be there, we'll get you back over here at some point. You're on yes. the jury. November, awesome. actually December is looking good for the festival this year. We're probably going to do it like third Great. or fourth or something like that. So Great. I, yeah. I think I have a, I have a uh, few different, short films that might fit right in there so nice. so uh chalk me in um because i'd love to come out again for sure um okay. and yeah it was really fun working with ryan bingham jack on that project um for one thing jack doesn't do a lot of stuff like that you know he, he stays pretty low pro and i think he felt comfortable um working with me on that and um you know i thought it was kind of neat to um I don't know. Jack blows me away with without like trying to kiss his ass. I've known him forever. He's a very nice guy. He's like, he's such a s- smart, um, smart, nice guy that like I still feel like everybody doesn't know him in a way. So I I thought it was a pretty neat opportunity to kind of dig into Jack's story a little bit. And then Ryan Bingham, um, we started working with him on this film series. And I've I mean we I've only known him for a few years now, but I mean we just hit it off and have become great friends instantly so that was kind of a little dream project for me to kind of work uh, again with jack and you know just a good excuse to hang with jack and his family and our families get along real well we both have daughters like the same age and we do a little trip here and there together so um so yeah that was that was about as fun as it gets and um and um kind of fun doing something like you know reaching out into the music world a little um was a fun adventure for me as well so i could feel that coming off the screen just like the way you cut it um the way you shot it you know you you just it felt like this was something you'd always wanted to do and for sure it was yes. killer. it was so yes it was so great yeah and i love ryan's style of music and of course um you know in ways grew up with jack's style of music and learning songs from jack but like it was kind of and, and they're very different so like seeing them come together and talk about songwriting because that's what they are like these guys are amazing songwriters so they really had that in common and then some of their growing up in different ways they had some commonality as well so so um oh yeah once again kind of a dream project i was thrilled to work on it and uh yeah one of the things i go ahead you sorry i was gonna say one of the things that i noticed um was just the, um, there was definitely an intimacy there that probably wouldn't have been afforded another filmmaker. And I felt <laughs> like it really, it really showed through that, that you and Jack have known each other for a no long question. time. And um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that to me, that's what really set the film apart. Um, any, you know, anybody could have shot that documentary and you'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. You know, Jack and Ryan and everything. But that to me, that's what really um, kind of put it to that next level was just, you felt yeah. like you were you felt like you were part of that and i'm sure they uh yeah. you know you're you're just one of the boys you know hanging out you just happen to have a camera and and uh so yeah that I, yeah that that just came across really well in the film nice i feel like that's always a great thing and you're doing uh, doing a documentary or a piece on someone is like is more if they can feel comfortable it just helps so much um with everything um and obviously in that situation, I didn't take too much effort on my side since, um, since I'd known Jack for a long time. And, and, um, and then, like I said, with Bingham, we just, we're like best buds now. Somehow we just feel like we have a lot in common and chit chat all the time and hang out. But um, cool. I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. I did too. That was a yeah, fun no one. problem. I mean, I, yeah. I obviously think it's worth now taking a step back and saying, okay, all right. How did you find yourself here? in a directorial role well now for several projects but um it's it's hard work don't get me wrong but it's it's where you wanted to be i feel like um if you every surfer sees themselves you know professional surfer especially sees themselves as you know not a one-trick pony but like that's the career for a while and then all of a sudden you've got to migrate to whatever it is real estate where are you going to land and so to yes. take us back to that moment where you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And, and yeah, you know, take us back there. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, coming off being a pro surfer is no easy thing to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like you have your schedule of the year of every surf contest you're going to do and every surf contest is a party. And in between that, you're going like, oh, I'm going to do an Indo trip, squeeze in a Road trip and maybe go up to Iceland and check that place out. So like, so as, as that kind of starts winding down for you, um, it's definitely like, uh, it can be a train wreck actually, you know? Um, um, luckily for me, my older brother, Chris, you know, years and years ago started digging into surf films and are uh, making films. Um, and and I, I think the easy transition for my brothers and I is, is being in the films, becoming great friends with a lot of the cinematographers and photographers on these um you know, surf trips that we were actually in front of the camera. Um, but I think we all, we, especially my older brother, Chris took notice at an early age of the whole, what it takes to document and film um, and kind of took note of all that. And, um, and that's when Chris, you know, was, you know, what happened to Chris, he was surfing pipeline, blew his knee out and had mm. to have full reconstruction and realized he wasn't going to be surfing for six months. And that was the moment when he decided to start Thicker Than Water, which was like the first real deal kind of surf film that he made. Um, so so um, I just felt, you know, very lucky to like, uh, you know, be in the sport, love it, and then take note, and then kind of follow my brother's footsteps, footsteps and, um, try to connect the dots and be able to work on these creative projects and films and things like that, you know? Um, um, yeah, I feel like, feel lucky to be able to kind of um, hustle my way into making films now because it's something that's pretty yeah. special and enjoyable as well. <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, but like, I think, I think that's kind of a easy to get up and go to work. Um, yeah, like I said, it is hard work. There's no yes. question. There's, um, but yes. let's go, let's go to the thicker than water now that you brought it up because sure. uh, a good common friend of ours, Richie Fitzgerald, who did a podcast a few episodes back, uh, yes. was your host in Bandoran and had some, uh, some, exactly. I don't know. He's, he seemed to, he seemed to insinuate that you guys got into some trouble from time to time. I would put it more like <laughs> Jim, I, I would put it more this way. Richie would do his very best to just get us as wasted as we could when we were there. I mean, like this is surfing. <laughs> this is after like surfing for 10 days straight. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about getting wasted off drinking beer. But like, I remember distinctly him inviting me over for dinner. And then I get to his house and he's just got cases of beer and the, football soccer matches on and i'm like oh awesome i'll have a beer i'm like what's for dinner he's like beer that's it mate. <laughs> and i was like okay and then like you know five hours later stumbling home from the bar in bandora and trying to find barely able to find my own way home and uh i think i, I have at least one in general big night we had there that was um just hello and uh there was a live band playing and i remember at one point just sticking my head into the speaker and just making an asshole out of myself it was it was amazing that's good stuff it, yeah yeah but i love richie we, we really so need to hook up with him in ireland in the early days and spend time with him and his family over there um you know i don't get to see him all the time anymore but just love the guy like a brother I know, right? Did you, did he convince you and Gerlach to paddle out at Bullock Moor? So it was actually Chris and Noah Johnson were the two, first two guys that ever surfed that wave. Oh. Um, and it was like six to eight feet and stormy and choppy, but oh. it was gnarly and big. Like, and then, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Chris and Noah Johnson filming a thicker than water were the first guys to um, try that wave out. And then, and then um, about five years later, Chris and I went back down there and, and ended up towing it for the first time um, um, for an Irish film. 
think it's called the wave riders or something yeah. like that um yeah but chris, yeah chris and i were the first ones to tow and that day wasn't big either it was like 10 to 12 but we saw the potential we were like wishing we got lucky and got it on one of those monster swells um um but pretty special place and um cool that you remember that that was like a pretty neat little thing that um back in the day that uh when they first got out there i know i mean i remember when you were like go ahead john i was gonna say when you were on that trip there was that uh were you there with gerlach at the same time you know on the thicker than water deal i was actually not on the ireland trip i wasn't on that okay when when we did thicker than water i ended up doing the australian leg and I think other parts of that film, but it was Bobby Martinez and Gerlach. And I think Romano was there actually. From I Tahiti. think uh, Conan too, right? Conan maybe have been there, yeah. Probably. Yeah. I, I'm not positive. Yeah. So so I've been down to Ireland many times, but somehow, no, I'd been back when I was doing the tour or something. And I had a surf contest at the time or something. Um, gotcha. But didn't, didn't make, you know, every trip. But that's kind of how Chris wanted it he didn't want to like make a film about his brothers he wanted it to be a legit surf movie sure sure i mean yeah, yeah. i think you could say a film about the three of you is legit by any yeah. regard but but i i totally yeah. understand that now like right. what when did ireland first uh, pop up on you guys's radar okay so uh chris was also the first one to go to ireland um and um, I want to say he and Richie, or uh, he and um, um, one of the Fitzgerald brothers went down there. Um, the, I'm sorry, there's um, Kai Fitzgerald and uh, from Australia. Uh-huh. Remember Kai Fitzgerald? Um, oh yeah, yeah, because they, they had the section from Litmus. Um, yeah, they were and Joel in, in Fitzgerald, and jo- that was Joel. Yeah. Yes. So Chris and Joel Fitzgerald went down there first. And I'll totally be honest, I don't remember all the details of that trip, but I do remember that's when Chris met Richie Fitzgerald okay. um, and stayed down there for like a few weeks. And um, and then we kept kind of going back there every couple of years because, you know, it was such a special place and we loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, I, if I remember correctly, I think Richie is uh, Richie and Joel and Kai are cousins, correct? They're not. There's no relation. Oh no way. Or no, unless I'm wrong. I don't I know. Mean, I always thought I they know. were cousins. I kind of thought so too. I this is like, like you said. There's like 15 beers deep, and I may have said, "Hey, Richie, are you cousins with Joel?" And he might have said something like, "You know, drunk." And yes, I don't even know. I know. Now, I think it might memory. have been a. My my whole point is, uh, you know, you guys got up there and discovered the beauty of yeah what is or what was at the time you know kind of undiscovered there was kevin naughton and a few other guys that have been up there and there's been a few articles on it but but clearly like dana brown and um you guys were on the forefront of putting it on the map i mean now there's 150 people out at pampa whenever you want to go try to it's it is crazy how 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 crowded it has gotten but um and there had been there there's been quite a few people there before us um uh, but it was still pretty, you know, a, a pretty mellow scene. You know, what's funny is like the English guys that moved to Ireland to surf it, they become the hardcore locals, whereas the Irish are pretty <laughs> inviting and nice. Um, and um, and yeah, but I, I feel lucky to get go over there in the, the early days when it was um, was a pretty, pretty mellow scene. Yeah. Nice. Are you, are you guys still going over there or when was the last time you were there? <sighs> you know, it's been a while. Um, um i went over i haven't been there on a surf trip um in in quite a long time um i don't remember exactly when i think yeah i went over there um a few years ago but it wasn't a surf trip it was something else going on and then in all honesty i need to reconnect with richie because i just i just i think we all we started families right and he has a family and he spent some time in australia and then and then I've just not been on the travel scene like I used to be, but it's sure. in my top three places to go. And, and um, I would love to do a trip back there, but it, it's been, it's been quite a while. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I think Richie's actually back living in Australia now. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. So I'm in Briny, right? 
Yeah. yeah, I think he's yeah, he's yeah. got a couple of cute kids. I see him on Facebook all the time. I mean, I haven't seen I him bet. ages either. I actually missed you by uh, one day in 2007 when you guys were shooting for Wave Riders down at Aileen's. Oh, um, oh crazy. Yeah, I was I was we... waiting for him when he got back. Uh, yeah, but it sounds oh, like that's... you guys scored. Oh, no way. So had you met him before that and known him as well? Yeah, I think it was like 05, 06 or something. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a chance to get over there with my um ex at the time and uh, just what a yeah. great guy he, i mean you could literally be any nice guy from the i mean they're so welcoming everybody is over there every pub you walk into it's it's absolutely yes. a must do i have you know I, yes. I keep telling john and and a few other friends of mine i'm like let's just plan a trip to ireland if we score we score if we don't it doesn't matter we're having fun playing you know yes. golf or whatever it's just one of those places Oh, that's the thing. Like we would sit it a week in the rain and, and, you know, and it would be, the surf wouldn't be amazing, but you go in the pub and there's music and they, you know, that Irish bread and soup and the Guinness and <laughs> like, honestly, there's no place I'd rather sit in a bar and have a beer than, than on the, you know, the West Ireland somewhere waiting for waves <laughs> I, exactly you can kind of feel it i know you can't i mean i've, I've got the dna you've got the dna and yeah you, you can't really yeah there's no science behind it but for some reason when yeah. you get there you're like man i'm home i you know this totally is, this is exactly where i see the traditions yeah. around the dinner table i see yeah i see it at the hotels and it's kind of cool being an american you know whatever hodgepodge we got going on here from an ethnicity standpoint which is great but yeah. when you go back there, you can see it in your, in, you know, especially in, yeah. and for me, Germany too, I can see some of that. But, right. Um, dude. No, my, yeah. my grandmother actually was four years old and took the boat over from Ireland. Um, wow. Perfect. Okay. And she, she, she passed away when she was 99, which was about nine years ago or something like that. So okay. wow. I was like, she so, ate the proper amount of Irish butter. Yes, she did. <laughs> and, we, you know, we have, um we've spoke with some distant relatives we have there and stuff and but it is funny we go over there and we're like we're irish and they're like no you're not you're american i'm like oh yeah i guess i am american <laughs> yeah so Completely. yeah all right well, yeah. take us out of take us out of that scene because i think what you did is pretty cool i mean you did get to do the brand ambassador thing for a while which is phenomenal but then that yes. did actually bring you into the craft of filmmaking you had been um a participant you had been, you know, I'm sure an astute observer. You had been yes. um, related to somebody who made the transition successfully. And now, yes. and now tell us about your first project where you're like, oh shit, now I got to do this myself. Yeah. The first one that I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and, and kind of head this project up was come hell or high water, the body surfing. I mean, I did, I did little small stuff, but like legit you know 50 minute film was the body surf movie come hell or high water and and actually it's just it's been almost 10 exactly 10 years since that came out so that was 10 years ago i think and, it won um, best, uh, best picture at new york surf film festival am i right i i probably i mean that thing it was hilarious because when i made that film it was about body surfing i was like if we like show this at a surf shop and 20 people show up and say we do say we do like six or eight surf shops and we get like a core crew of 20 or so people i'll be still like that's all the only expectations i had for it um um and, and it was crazy because because everything kind of came together and the film turned out decent and good and i was happy with it and then um it was like uh, we just lucked out on time because i felt like everybody was ready for a film that was fun and not hardcore surfing and, and kind of told the body surfing story. So we ended up like getting to not get do all these film festivals and um, won quite a few awards for this, that, or the other thing, but it was like a total surprise and um, a really fun experience. And um, I remember showing it in New York and that was, that was um, great. And, um, and yeah, we got on a little terror with that body surf film. I couldn't believe it. Um, well, I take it you concepted it uh, from the beginning, or did you have somebody say, "Let's do this"? I mean, or I think this was born of your, you know, 
love and appreciation yeah. of the ocean and, and a different form of, uh, you know, athleticism, sure. if you will. Yeah. I, so, so I started body surfing, um, a lot when I was in the middle of my pro surfing career, when I was touring, doing all the contests and try to hit the lip as many times as you can on one wave. And that was like, just becoming so disenchanting. I was like, what, this is just like, I want to go out there and ride waves like I did when I was a kid for the pleasure of sliding along a wave. And so that's when I got into body surfing um, and, and started doing it. Like I'd surf, we were living on the North shore. I'd surf quite a bit. And then when I wanted to just take a break from that, but still get in the water, I would, you know, I really got into body surfing. And when I was in Hawaii at that time, body surfing, I realized the level of body surfing in Hawaii was so good and amazing and i was like wow you can really kind of get barreled and make it you know like i thought you would just pull into clothes out and, get, and just get smashed every time and i see these guys making barrels and you know it's not like they're doing too much they're sliding down the wave but um i was kind of intrigued on body surfing when i was there in hawaii and then and then you know i became good friends with mark cunningham and we you know we always kind of talked about doing a body surf film um and then I think Chris had a little section of Cunningham body surfing in one of his films. And then one day I was like, I'm just going to get this thing started and um, see if we can put this together. And, you know, for me, riding the wave so much, your body is above the, it's below the water. So I'm like, you know, that's a moment to really use the underwater footage and just get these amazing images um at the same time if you overdo that it becomes very boring you know so it was yeah. like trying to mix it just right where we sprinkled everything in it so we could keep, keep people's attention including drone footage and above water and underwater and interviews and and then just try to dig into the real soul of the sport which is a lot of guys that um you know that are kind of unique characters and um you know it's 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 kind of it's kind of been left in the closet for a long time and not respected so much um so i did i did i made an effort to not like put kelly slater in it a bitch in it because i wanted to show the real heroes of body surfing which were the everyday guy that has a job and does this that or the other but loves body surfing you know so um so i felt that kind of worked out well to you know talk about these heroes that no one really knew about yeah definitely i think that's partly why the film was so successful is that um kind of in a similar way to what chris did uh in 2000 with thicker than water is it, it was a different movie you know everything was you know for for pretty much the whole 90s everything was everybody was trying to copy taylor and his right. recipe and and it was great right. and it was working yeah. But then here, here was something that was different and, you know, different Chris's, you know, had different music and it was kind of different guys. It wasn't the same guys that we see in all the movies. And, uh, you know, I felt like that's what you uh, accomplished with, um, with your movie as well. Um, Hell or right. Water is it, you, you know, here's this different cast of characters who you only got to watch for a few minutes to understand these people devoted their life to the ocean and so yes. that's intriguing and uh but it's just not the same faces that you're used to seeing and it it just wasn't so serious it, right. surfing gets so serious sometimes i know yeah but it's risky too because your ego's at stake and i like the way you set your goals uh at 20 people in a surf shop because yeah that's that's typical irish right there um, <laughs> you know, that's a perfect friggin' irish person to be like i oh, yeah, man if i get 20 irish you know if i get 20 dudes in a, in a pole i'm fine yeah and right. like, that is such like I, I do that to myself all the time with the festival or whatever. Like if I get 30 yes. people out to watch a movie. And yeah, uh, you crushed it. You I mean it was dead center and it was yeah. 450 feet over, you know what I mean? So yeah, wonderful, wonderful job. But what about I mean, you so you took that risk, you succeeded, and then you're like, Oh yes. shit, I guess I'm a filmmaker. I mean Yeah, yeah. And I mean I mean, like, you know, I was looking at my future, I was um hoping that that not could work out you know um hell i didn't go to college i don't have too many options <laughs> you know what i mean 
Um, so, so I was like, yeah, you know, and, and you know what, I, I started to work on smaller projects as well and been involved in um, developing little stories and little commercials and things like that. Um, so after I did that one, um, you know, that's, those, those ones are kind of um, tough, you know, um, you know, it's not like I've done that many other films. Um, I've done a lot of really things that I'm really proud for um, more small commercials for companies, you know? Um, and then I went on and did fish people, but can you, um, can you stop there for a second and tell sure there's filmmakers out there listening to this right now. I think there's a few anyway, yeah. you know, aspiring folks. Anyway, let's just assume they come and listen to this at some point <laughs> you're getting pitched by, or uh, do you have an agent? Did you get somebody to manage your career at that point? Or are you like, okay, I, maybe I'll make a little bit of money off of this. What am I, who, what commercials are you doing? Right. So um, at that point we had a line with Patagonia mm-hmm. and, and we, we had helped kind of start the surf side of things there at Patagonia and worked on surfboards and wetsuits and clothing and were ambassadors, but then also slid into like the filmmaking and creating content and creating stories for them. Um, so Yes, I so I didn't I didn't have I still don't have a manager <laughs> or anybody like landing jobs for me that way. Um, these days I have my own company and, and we do that on our own. But um, but yeah, so so at that point um, I was aligned with Patagonia and, and was just doing a lot of content for them. And, you know, that's back when my brother was making 180 South, mm-hmm. um, which which I was there for a lot of that you know and then um we did a we did another book called Benda Baja which which -hmm. was never a film but very similar type of project um where you put all your energy and thought into making a cohesive story that you know people will hopefully enjoy um that that would have been a rad film by the way right yeah I know And, and these days we would have documented it all you know um, yeah. with, a, with a with a motion camera but at the same time it's kind of sweet when you do it that way too you know like sure um, sure it wouldn't have been the same those. story if the, if you got somebody following you with a camera yeah exactly we really did that whole trip in that one vehicle and if we had the, a camera crew or something then there'd have been a whole nother vehicle it would have changed yeah. the dynamics of that um um but it's stories like those that we just continue to chip away at and, um, and kind of work on our own craft while hopefully creating a cool story for the people we're working for, you know? Um, um, and then, yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's how, um, I'm trying to think of sometimes I like blank on, on all the different projects, not that they're big projects, they're small. That's why I probably forget some of them, but, but that was a good opportunity to work on a lot of stuff and um, kind of hone the craft a bit, you know? Um, And then, um, and then really the next, let's see the next, I mean, there's kind of a long list of little ones, but, um, but then the the one that I did years ago, fish people um, for me, that was pretty cool. Kind of, I felt like taking it to the next level is more of a documentary than anything. Um, but no, it's a tricky thing is like a young filmmaker, you just got to hustle and, and hopefully find a niche and find some people you can work with and find, you know, a big part of it is finding the budget to actually do what you want to do, you know? And, um, um, and, uh, it's hard to give advice. Like, like, not everybody's going to get lucky every time and fall into these situations. I know there's so many talented filmmakers out there and young aspiring filmmakers. And it's like, um, and if you, if you, if you grind it out, like I want to be optimistic because you can do it and, and a lot of people <laughs> do, but, but it's no easy task to find um, the funding, but that, I guess that brings back to like when I made the body surf film, like I put a bunch of my own money into that, you know, like at the time for me, it was quite a bit of money. Yeah. And I was like, and like quite a few films in the early days, I would have to start them on my own, ask favors of my buddies that I worked with, see if they could shoot um, for free. And then I will pay them back once I get the budget going. I mean, a lot of that stuff was going on and like 
come hell or high water is a perfect example of that because who, back then, like, if you, if you think about the surf industry and someone going, yeah, we're going to give you a hundred grand to make a body surf film. It's like, no <laughs> way, no chance in hell. And so we had to shoot like a, 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 a little per, a percentage of that film, like, you know, out of my own pocket and asking favors from buddies and then build a little trailer and then go out to people and um, shop it out. And it was a struggle. It wasn't, it wasn't like it didn't get handed to me. I ended up paying quite for quite a bit of it out of my own pocket pocket. And in the end, I was kind of able to recoup that. Yeah. Patagonia and Nixon um, both kind of chipped in and helped out with that one back in the day. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky, you got to hustle. It's, it's, it's um, you know, and, and then like, you know, after a while I feel like, Oh, I'm in a pretty good place where I'm going to ask people to do this. And I bet they'll, they'll be like, yeah, let's do this. And then I approached some, folks and they're like sorry we can't do it our, our budget spent for the year or this that or the other thing so i mean it's still a tricky tricky business you know yeah i'm, I'm glad you clarified that honestly because there's yeah a, there's a diy mentality that 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 project as much as it is a beautiful finished project is also an investment in your future as a filmmaker too because it's right a, it's a touch touchstone for Hey, look, you know, look what I can do. And, you know, yes. is like, Oh, Keith is hired and, you know, we're hiring Keith. So, you know, yes. and, that, and then you go to Yeti and then eventually Yeti, who's, I, I believe you're working with primarily these days, right? Yes, that's correct. So that's, that's, that's um, one really cool thing is, is Yeti over the last three or four years, they've been like amazing company kind of to support small filmmakers, like documentary filmmakers. Um, so, so I've really enjoyed working for them as well and, and um, love the style of films they're looking for and feel like I've aligned with, with um, those guys really great and just super thankful. Um, yeah, because they, they um, yeah, they're just looking for those really inspiring subjects and, and gritty and, you know, out in the field type of things. And, um, you know, when people ask me like, oh, what do you want to do? What's the next film you want to do? Do you want to make like a Hollywood style film or a scripted film? And I'm like, I would have no idea how to do that. Like, I feel like <laughs> definitely uh, documentary styles is, is where I would feel comfortable. And um, anyways, getting back to Yeti, they've been amazing because they've been a, supporting a lot of small documentary film makers and myself included. Um, so, but yeah, going back to the early days, like, come hell or high water I was shooting the camera my wife was running sound and like we did a lot of those shoots with just us like ones that I look back on that I'm like oh my god I'm so glad we pulled that off like we're I'm because like these days I shoot a bit of the 16 mil camera but I hired the top guns to shoot the red cameras now you know like I, I'm not I'm not shooting the camera but at the very beginning I was because I had to because that's all the only way I could get it done really um um so that's kind of interesting as well as well you know i was actually i was just going to ask you what sort of equipment you use uh for yeah. most of your stuff yeah so we do everything with red cameras um so here at i'm at by marion at our office right now um and we have a couple red cameras and um and we've been doing everything with the red camera for quite a while now yes nice. um, yeah that that's pretty much the gold standard yeah Yes. And yeah. we just upgraded one of our cameras and honestly, I forget what it's called. Like I'm not the technical guy at all. My guys in the office here just crack up at me because when it comes to anything tech, I'm just, I'm just horrible. Um, um, but it's cool because, um, you know, if you have a vision and you're working with the right folks, you can do something pretty cool. And, um, and I, I just like the way I look at it, it's like, um, for me, it's like, let those guys that are masters at that do that. And the sound guy, like, you know, you want the best sound guy you can ever have catch those moments that, um, you know, those, uh, those moments when people, you know, may not even know that sounds running are some of the best moments ever. Oh so yeah, it's like, definitely. For me, I'm at this stage where I'm like, okay, I'm using the, the best talents I can with the camera and the sound and everything and editors and becomes like a team it really is like about teamwork and, and sometimes i'm just like putting together 
the right crew and the right pieces and the right subject and, and make sure everybody gets along well. And it's like a little orchestrating that is kind of sure. its job and it's job in itself sometimes, you know what I mean? I think your um, work from here on out is something that is on people's list to check out. I mean, and, and that's also intimidating too, is to know that every time you produce something, it's got to be to your quality, you know, top notch. So what are you working <laughs> Absolutely. on? Absolutely. That's where the stress comes in. That's where this job is. Um, the places we get to go and the people we get to do stories on are amazing. But then all of a sudden, like you're working on with deadlines and you're also, you want your work to be at a certain level, you know, and like it can't happen. It doesn't happen like that time. And, um, and believe me, I've lost some stuff over it. And there's been times where I'm like, I, I got to break, you know, like I think when I was teaching fish people, um, we had a bit of a debacle with the edit and, and like, sudden we were like had to finish the film in three weeks and um and like yeah those are the moments where you're like you know you just you just you just want it to be the best it can be and you put so much time and thought and heart into it and um so there is there is I would say that would be the one component um is is can be a, it can be very stressful at times and you want everyone to be happy and have it come out the way you dream it would come out um but, um, but um, yeah, I guess that's not too bad of a downside if that's one of the main ones. But yeah, anytime you're like in charge of, in charge of the ship, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> some, there's some stress. Um, but I was, what, were we, what else were you bringing up there? Um, um, well, directorial well, style, I got to say, you know, that you have the Michael Manns of the world who are assholes on set. Yeah. And they're going to tell right. everybody what to do to under. Stanley Kubrick's got to film something until it's perfect. You've got right. all these different styles and you've got Clint Eastwood yes. who's like, yep, one take, boom, we're good. That's right. Cool. And so, yes. you know, how do you find your uh, comfort level within, I mean, obviously documentary, Robert Altman started off yeah. in document, yes. you know, so how do you find your style um, these days with, uh, let's just say individual takes on uh, on an yes. interview, setting them up, yeah, like that. So, so, so it's like um, that's a great question. And for me, I my approach, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, was like you just want the people to feel as comfortable as possible, and um, and then you know, like when I'm doing an interview with somebody, um, this might be kind of obvious, but like I'll know that probably it depends who the subject is you'll you'll be totally surprised every time but you might be talking to the subject with the red rolling everything set up for half an hour knowing you're not even going to get anywhere you want to be till half an hour maybe you're asking them personal questions about their life just trying to get to know them and letting them burn off some steam and some nervousness you know that <laughs> can go on for the first half an hour of an interview, you know, um, or more, or the opposite has happened to me as well, where you, you start talking to someone and they spit out their best lines in the first five minutes and you're like, we're done, you know, but like, it's, mm -hmm. it is about, it's about, um, working with that individual, trying to, trying to make them feel comfortable and feeling and, and trying to, um, read them a little bit so they can, give their best interview you know what i mean um uh, and and i actually feel like that's one of the things that um as far as our team goes i feel like i'm pretty strong at that and i and i enjoy that interaction with these folks and in getting down to the nitty-gritty nitty and um talking story with them you know um um so i enjoy that part of the process and and, and i mean i've had interviews that I thought were going to be the best interview of the whole film and not make it. And then, and then I love when it's the opposite, you're doing an interview there and then you see this kid standing over here and you're like, wait, let's get him over here for a second, you know, and you start chit chatting with this guy and you, and you get the mics rolling and then it's the best interview of the, the whole deal, you know? Um, so, so um, that, that can happen a lot. The other thing I was going to mention for the youngsters is, um the one thing that's nice for the young guys is like um not everyone can shoot a red but you can you can get equipment now a lot of it's semi-affordable you can edit it on your own computers um 
back in the day, I think when these directors, they knew they were the only one that had the system that could do this. And the cameras <laughs> were so expensive and they'd be like, Hey, F you, F you, I'm the boss, take it or leave it. But man, now it is, it, there's a lot of competition out there. And for the young guys, you can really put together a beautiful little film um, with, you know, a normal laptop and a decent uh, camera. So they should know that like, storytelling can be done with without the highest quality and the most expensive stuff and a lot of it's affordable and a lot of kids are doing it and it's changing the industry you know um um, if anything it's making it harder for us old guys um but it's but it's it it gives a lot of hope out there for the young guys because you can do it and um you can make your way I, i think it's there's more opportunity for the young youngsters than ever I listened to Louis C.K. talk to Mark Marin on a podcast about maybe four years ago or something. And uh-huh. you know, obviously Louis on everybody's canceled list or whatever nowadays. But <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the fact is he was telling Mark that he would edit the, the Louis TV show on uh-huh. like a laptop that's like two years older than my five-year-old laptop now. And Got it. You know, with the camera crew of like, you know, so you're absolutely right you do not i mean yes. literally iphone the iphone 12 pro is better quality than 90 percent of the cameras out there it's crazy you're absolutely it, right so the tools yes. are there yes the two are there and um accessible for the youngsters and get after it do a story about your weird neighbor and you know like <laughs> find something you're inspired by and you think you know intriguing and and see if you can build something out of that you know um i think i think i got a story about my weird partner in the surf film festival yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 80 percent of it you couldn't use Tom, or, <laughs> now what one of the things i wanted to circle back to though was um like it sounds like you're taking more of like a directorial role in some of the projects that you do now and that isn't always the case in surf films because the budget is so low and because a lot of times it's it's literally one person that has the idea yes. that runs the camera and maybe they can bum their buddy to do the sound um yes but i, I think that's a that's an important recognition on your part to realize like yeah. hey may, maybe i'm not the best camera guy so let's get a better camera guy let's get a great sound guy let's get somebody else to do this i've got the big picture and and that's that's something that that uh, hasn't hasn't always been there in surf film for sure for sure. And, um, right. and it's still hard to find those budgets and in the surf film, like the hardcore surf films, yeah. like, um, um, and, and at the same time, there's guys that kind of specialize in those surf films and, 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 and being a one man band. And like, I just totally respect that, you know, and, and those are the dudes that sit out there on the reef at G land in 90 degree beating sun. And those guys are freaking hardcore and um and um i salute those dudes and uh it's a cool niche though because they're they're traveling around the world you know to all these beautiful spots and and experiencing that um i think that since i got to do that as a pro it's a little harder for me today especially because i have three kids and my wife sure. at home so um you know so some it's, it's um, I, I mean, I still like, we just spent the whole month of December on the North shore shooting, surfing and, um, and stuff like that. But, but for those hardcore surf film guys asked and they got their niche and, and they go out there and sometimes they're a one man band and they get it done. And it's like inspires us all. Yep. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure there's going to be some young up and coming filmmakers inspired by the work that you're doing. Um, who, who were some of your, uh, inspirations in filmmaking because i know like in your career as a pro surfer you worked with a lot of the top guys um you know so but who, who were some of the guys that you uh kind of look to and and look to for inspiration yeah. from a filmmaking yeah. standpoint that's a good question um so you know yes like you said earlier like the whole taylor still movement was going on in surfing mm-hmm. right when i mean me and my brothers were just right in the middle of it and um and like that was a really crazy cool niche that Taylor created. Um, and, and so always, you know, I've been around him all those early years in surfing and, 
and and really always really wanted to get a great part in his film and and that was like cutting edge um surf film so that was that was a special thing to be around that whole era and then um you know um after that let's see um you know jack mccoy always made amazing films uh for billabong back in the day i mean just soaked every one of those up and i met jack mccoy down the road and i was in some of his films as well and he's quite a character uh just put it that way (laughs) (laughs) and but 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 amazing inspiring films um um you know god i really just like zone in and i think even so so in all honesty if you think about most of the stuff i've worked on they're not hardcore surf films like the body surf film is kind of a hardcore surf film but it's body surfing so it so it separated it from that a little bit but um but i almost feel like uh my strength is almost a little more documentary style than just surf film you know um um, and so i mean i just loved and ate up all those old surf movies back in the day and albie falzon and all those guys i mean that was cool stuff because that was like 16 mil almost a little more documentary style in ways i guess it kind of kind of kind of was kind of wasn't but um but um i've just like um picked up little pieces along the way with with all the great surf films i have seen and respect all those guys but i can't say that i like really honed in on on one except for like my brother chris like obviously i followed his foot i mean he's the one that influenced me the most by far and probably took that line of doing more of a doc- documentary style film than anything else. Gotcha. Um, before we break uh, for the day, give us, do you have anything in the back of your uh, head, like narrative wise, like crazy filming stories or I don't know, you almost died surfing Madeira or something like that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like one of those great yes. stories. Give, I think I, prepared you for this in a weird way i was like hey if you have any good really good story but anyway yeah. do you have anything you'd like to share today and if you don't no big deal and the crazy story i've ever kind of have is um actually with keely um in a mind goodwin and we were it, it, we were we went to the spice islands which is like eastern indonesia and we sailed through there and um ted grambo was shooting photos but it's not like it's not a full surf film story, but it's a surf adventure story. Doesn't matter. Um, um, so anyways, which is also interesting because the last, I, I, the last couple of films I've been working on are with Mark Healy. So it's pretty cool. So we still got an awesome friendship going, but um, back in the day, we used to do a lot of trips with Ted Grambo, Australian surf photographer, amazing photographer, spent a ton of time with him in Australia and Europe. And um, at one point he talked myself and Mark Healy and Hans Hagen and Amayan Goodwin to go to Eastern Indonesia and sail basically from just below the Philippines to Papua New Guinea, which is like, wow. Out in the middle of nowhere, like right away. We went to go get on the sailboat. We flew into these weird little airports in Eastern Indonesia and we finally made our way um, through this little city and get on the boat and meet the captain. The captain was an Australian guy, but the uh, the cook on the ship was an Indonesian guy. And and um, right before we untied off the dock and left, he was too afraid to go. And he, <laughs> he said, I don't want a dead. I don't want a dead. And he, he, he ran down the dock and just we never saw him again so <laughs> this is the boat right, captain this no this is the cook on the ship okay, the cook, all right. this this was the indonesian guy equally the important as the captain oh, God. <laughs> so, pretty damn important so we're like oh like you know we're just all young surfers we, we knew it was like kind of a crazy area to go but we didn't realize how crazy it was and, and so that was like one of the first things that happened on the trip and then um and then you know fast forward to a week of sailing um we ended up getting some amazing waves um at one time at one point broke down and left us healy and myself in the mine and we were like five miles away from the boat and like we basically were surfing and they surfed till dark and the boat never came back for us 
and we're in like this desolate desolate island chain no one in sight and um the boat was around the island five miles and so we just had to start paddling in the dark oh. um and like and basically we got we, we we paddled like five miles in the dark got back to the um and like uh was really strange because there's pirates out there like one place one of those places in the world where like dudes will pull up on a boat and shoot your boat um it's really unstable over there and unpoliced so and we get back to the boat there's a boat circling our boat as we're like paddling in the dark and like we we had to paddle for like three miles in the dark just to get around the island to even see our boat um ends up these it was like you know engine trouble these guys these indo guys were trying to help our crew or whatever and that was all fine but like a day later we we pull up to this other village and we're going to um we were trading uh whatever we had on the boat like cookies and magazines for like fruit and vegetables you know because it was like a we were on like a decent sized sailboat um but nothing big and so we'd like get fresh fruit and vegetables what well, instead of them bringing, like, what happened to money? Like, I know, no, they just, <laughs> they. I mean, so honestly, I remember distinctly them seeing Mark Healy as like a kind of a freckled head kid. They were like scared shitless of him because they never, <laughs> like, they had hardly seen anybody that was that you know were white, and then like Healy was like the next level of you know, of, <laughs> and I mean they were freaking out on just seeing white folks out there. But then the one day we went in to get vegetables and instead of coming out with fruits and vegetables, they came out with machine guns and like, oh, and actually <laughs> they, they were actually, as they were coming out on their motorized canoe, they were shooting and we thought what? they were shooting. Yeah. They, we thought they were shooting at us. They were like, they, they were like shooting in the air, zooming out to us. Oh shit. And we were like, this is where we all die. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like hanging off the other side of the boat thinking they were like shooting at the boat and um they got out to the boat and started going through all our crap and it was very intense one of the dudes had a, a shirt on and they, they were they were kind of in like um military fatigue you know all these guys uh-huh. but then i see this this one guy has a sh- shirt on and it says rambo and it has a picture of rambo on the front <laughs> of the shirt. so he was like clearly not like military he was sure this pack of like gorilla thugs and you know, we ended up giving them a bunch of stuff and, 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 um, just actually they cooled down. We, we just gave them whatever we could to have them keep them happy and probably some money and some, you know, beers and cigarettes and all sorts of shit. And we got them off our boat eventually. Um, and, um, you know, so that was, that was probably one of the more intense moments ever, um, on a, on a surf, exploration you know why we were out there documenting stuff and yeah and i mean on the same on the same trip we got hammered by a huge swell and the wave went over the boat and i was sleeping in the top bunk and this hatch blew open and like i'm laying there trying to sleep i got like 50 gallons of water on my head and oh geez captain the boat got sick and we thought he was gonna die and he survived it somehow and then um, <laughs> i mean honestly honestly the whole that whole uh trip was like endless adventure and um you know pretty cool now at this age to look back on that stuff and and remember um those times and like um man back in the day we were pretty fearless and and naive at the same time and and we had a whole of a time you know um so thankful for all that but you know leading back to going back to healy um what's really cool is we're still great buddies and um we just finished um a two-part series on healy uh for actually a brand called sitka they're a hunting brand Mm, yeah they make hunting outerwear and clothing um but we got we have all that footage of healy on that well from this last winter at himalayas yeah some like the the biggest meanest surf ever and then we also have footage of healy shooting a fish in Tahiti that was like three pounds off a world record and yeah. uh, man he's just become such a badass and such such a fun guy to work with and articulate dude um so that was one of the the, the recent ones that was re- that was really fun um and then 
and then aside from that we just like i said the yeti stuff has been amazing as well and we're just working on a piece with emily erickson um who's the big wave surfer and then mm-hmm. when i was on when i was on the north shore dad roger erickson wow. was like the biggest badass legend kind of gnarly yeah. legend of all time so i'm i'm completely thrilled about that project with emily erickson and roger erickson i would love to um actually have that be in your film festival someday when you guys when we can do it again yeah that'd be great well for the record if mark healy shows up for by the way we're trying to get mark here for the bragg big wave assessment group class that okay john's working with them on that and uh, more to come on that for every everybody's listening but yeah the um yeah, if Mark shows up, we'll we'll make sure to get an AK-47 and fire off a few rounds in the air just to give him a little welcome. <laughs> just for the good old days with old Ted yeah. Rambo and Eastern Indo. <laughs> yeah, I'll get a Rambo. I'll get a Rambo shirt and just come yeah. running at him. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. When that's are you great. guys doing the big wave brag thing? Or is that coming up? Or yeah, we actually we were planning on doing it last November at the festival, and then of course that that all had to get canceled. Um, yes. And, but I went out, um, Kevin and I went out, not this previous December, but the December before that. And I actually went yeah. through the course and I've been talking with Zach Diano that runs it. And yeah, um, I went out there to meet uh, Brian, Kaylana and Pat Chongtan yeah. and those guys. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're actually, we're talking about um, how we can bring a series of those courses to the Eastern seaboard and Puerto Rico. Otto, uh, Otto Flores did one in Puerto Rico the year nice. before the pandemic and then uh and then we're also talking with will scudin up in new york and then Great. uh yeah. our buddy chad uh davis that does the carolina surf film festival there in um north north and south carolina so that was kind of the idea was we were trying awesome. to i was trying to coordinate with zach to see if we could you know do like maybe four weeks in a row where we did like a, a weekend in new york a weekend in north carolina a weekend at that coincided with the film festival and do the course here in Florida and then uh, hop over to um, Puerto Rico and do one with Otto. So we're still, still in the works on that. It definitely got, you know, it got set back with um, with the pandemic. Um, Yes. They actually just, for everybody listening, uh, Bragg just launched their online series. Um, So you can go to Instagram at brag b-w-r-a-g and check out their online course as well but yeah we we still are planning to bring that to uh, the festival in december be the first weekend of december yeah i mean all awesome. online but like having mark Healy and greg long there yes. showing you and talking to you in front of you that's where the that's where you get your bang for your buck i think that would be great if we could pull that off that'd be amazing if you guys can get that down with the festival in december i will be there that sounds Thank awesome you. nice um, nice for sure oh one more thing so um i am working on a new surf film so it's been 10 years you know um because because come hell or high water was a strictly body surf film and I then fish this. people yeah you told me about this yeah fish people was more of a documentary about being in the ocean but we want to do another hardcore body surf film and we're working on that now we have a treatment and we're looking people looking for people that are interested in backing it so i I do want to throw that out there because um i really want to make the film it's got put on hold a little because of covid and not being able to travel um but um yeah i'd love to throw that out there we're looking for backing to do a new body surf it's going to be a rager because when we get that thing done um i'm thinking um we're going to be able to have again and i'll be together and like um to watch another body surf film with a big group of people you know nice. say in a year in a year from now it could be pretty amazing just count nice, brooks, nice. brooks and i in for two millipedes let's do yeah. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking five but that's okay <laughs> okay yeah fair enough i get you all right well look man this has been a real pleasure every time i see an email or a text from you it's like all right man i mean you got such a good Oh man, I don't want to say the word vibe, but I guess it, I mean, you do, you have a great vibe. You give off positive, you know, uh, to every, your, your movies, your, your work comes off, you know, off the screen with that sort of, you know, 
I'm here to bring joy to your life kind of thing. And, and it seems like it's contagious. All the fans that see your work feel that way. John and I do. I mean, I, I can't wait to have you back and I wish you the best of luck through the uh, rest of this year and we'll see you at the end of it. Hopefully. Awesome. Kevin and John love you guys. Wait to hang with you at the next festival. And thank you for, uh, feeling like I had something important to say and asking me questions. <laughs> oh, of course. Th- th- thank you for being a part of it, Keith. And uh, yeah, right thanks on. for coming out to the festival. And yeah, we'll look forward to having you at the next one. Perfect. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Every light on this side of the town Suddenly All right, there you have it. Keith Malloy in the house for Florida Surf Film Festival's 13th episode of Surf Stories. Our festival is sponsored by Monster Energy along with Rourke Revival uh, Apparel and Globe Footwear. Let's see, Yeti, of course. Thank you for their support uh, to Keith and us. And uh, Advent Health, we want to say thank you to Atlantic Center for the Arts. Uh, among many others so thank you for your support and listening to what we try to put out there during these somewhat dark times and you know we might just have a film festival up for you i don't know let's say august june would be a little bit of a reach but you never know we'll play it as it goes and in the meantime you guys get wet and uh, have some fun i will talk to you on the other side all the great set-up parts All at once Start to be After tonight If you don't want this to be A secret